with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 15 games across the NFL, and in this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks. Andy and... This is our look at the upcoming Week 15 games across the NFL, and in this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks, the total tees, and also chat with our good friend Doc and find out what Spiffy the Algorithm's gold pick of the week is. But first... Of course, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. How you doing, buddy? Oh, not bad. Thank you, Matthew. Nice. Uh, Good to hear. Good to hear. Now, we did say at the end of the show last week, and this is a mea culpa from me, is I said it was going to be our 75th show. Well, apparently, and this will come to no surprise to our listeners who've been with us for a while i apparently do not know how to count you can't fix stupid so this is our 74th episode uh our 75th episode will be next week so we will postpone the 75th anniversary extravaganza episode we'll have to do that one week later my apologies but uh andy it was a weird week in football last week wasn't it yeah, but, you know, just to, just to excuse you, Matty, the only time that you would really need to be able to count to 74 is if you were uh, looking at the total for the Browns and the Ravens game. Oh, yeah, good grief. What a fantastic, like, I tweeted out that night, you know, that game is going to end up being a much better football game than whatever Super Bowl they put on this year. Yeah. Well, I take in the Ravens, but, I mean, that barely covered. The- well, I got fucked because I took the Browns. <laughs> I know, and you got him and, in what, was it three. Yeah, three? I should. I, I I actually took him. It, so I bought the line when it was actually Cleveland uh, plus three and a half, but I I bought the line down to plus three to get plus one hundred five odds. So, and I thought that was pretty good, and it was looking like, hey, at least I was going to push. And then, of course, Cleveland goes Cleveland. They go full on Browns, and uh, well, yeah, that looks like the, a, a Benny Hill skit. More than a kickoff return. You could definitely put yakety sacks to that one. Uh, just a ridiculous. But it was a great end. Like I, we clown Baker Mayfield a lot, but I, I got to give that kid props. He had like three must finish drives yeah. that he ended up fin- like scoring touchdowns on. Unfortunately, he left a little too much time on the clock. And apparently, defenses still haven't figured out that if you've got rush ends, but you're rush like you've got a guy in the backfield like Lamar Jackson. You can't get too much penetration upfield. If you go too far upfield, the space between you and that D tackle, especially if that linebacker peels off into coverage, there's a big hole. There's five to seven easy yards for Jackson before he's even going to get hit. So if you're a defense, you can't let him get away with that. And they let, they they really did. And he broke the pocket that big after coming back from the shitter. <laughs> Shitter's full. Shitter was full. But after coming back from the shitter, he does that big fourth down uh, where he breaks the pocket, runs on that bootleg right, and chucks it to Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I was going to say that was a read option, wasn't it? It was. So the key was, though, if you're a DB, what you hate the most is when a quarterback like that gets to break the pocket because then a receiver breaks off his route, and now it's a guessing game as to what he's doing. And the more time you give a receiver to get open, the chances are he'll get open. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Cleveland looked really good in defeat, which is probably the most Browns thing you can possibly say. Yeah, there's no no moral victories in the, the NFL. Yeah, you still lost yeah. the game, but, you know, that was a game back in the day that if the Browns had scored 40-some-odd points, Cleveland would have scored 3 or 10 or something like that. So this is – the Browns have improved. Obviously, they still got a ways to go if they want to prove their dominance in what is a real competitive AFC at, um, at the top. Like a, yeah. That's a great conference. Well, we've got a board that doesn't really interest either of us this week. Not but the we'll best talk job. about it anyway. We've got a lot of paying customers, Matty. A lot of paying customers. So we sure do. So sh- let's fire it up. Yeah. Let's fucking go. It's that time of year where we get 
football on Saturdays as well. In their first game, well, we got two games this Saturday coming up. And the first of the two is Buffalo going into the Mile High City, where uh, Denver is six and a half point underdogs at home. 50 and a half is your over under here. Buffalo's defense, especially the secondary, has really picked up their play, did a great job against uh, uh, the Steelers last week in uh, primetime. Yeah. But this could also be a big letdown spot after a big Sunday night win over the Steelers. What do you think, Andy? Well, I think there's the, the letdown spot angle. Um, the Steelers obviously can't run the ball, so they really only had to protect the pass. Denver can run the ball. That's the difference. Philip Lindsay is questionable. However, they haven't been using him a lot this year anyway. Well, here's the thing. Melvin Gordon was actually supposed to have a court date on Monday regarding his DUI. Uh, but his, <clears throat> excuse me, his lawyers had it deferred until January so that at least he could play the last three games. So it's a really good thing that Colorado's judicial officials are all Broncos fans. Yeah, that's good lawyering right there. By hiring me as your lawyer, you also get this smoking monkey. Better get down there, Smokey. <laughs> but yeah, Drew Locke, come on. Every time Drew Locke turns the ball over, an angel gets his wings, Maddie. God bless us, everyone. And that happens a lot. It does off. happen a lot. Last week, he played great. He but chucked the ball. I mean, he lost. Oh, there was that one fumble in the first half that he lost uh, that went for uh, six points the other way. But if you look at him as a, as a whole sample of his career, last week was a huge statistical anomaly. And the likely of him replicating it two weeks in a row, um, that's that's pretty tough. I think Denver's still going to need to rely on its defense. Problem is, Josh Allen is 5-0 and this season versus teams currently ranked in the top 10 in pass defense. He's beaten Pittsburgh, San Francisco, New England, the Rams, and the Dolphins. Those are five really good defenses. Yeah, and I think I think if the Bills win this week, they've locked up the AFC East. Is that correct? I believe that is correct. One other big issue for Denver and they've they've had it tough with injuries this year. I feel horrible for Broncos fan, but Brandon McManus is out for this game, and that's huge. Against New England, they won 18 to 12, and the only scores were six McManus field goals. Yeah. Right? And now he's out? That doesn't look good for the Broncos and and this this game is under a touchdown. I like the Buffalo Bills here. What are you saying? Go Bills? Go Bills. Go Bills. And on Saturday night, we head to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field, where the Green Bay Packers are eight and a half point favorites against visiting Carolina Panthers. 51's your over under on this game. And uh, well, Carolina has been on a very, very big slide and uh, it's not looking good for them because right now they're 0 and 9 when allowing 22 points uh, or 22 or more points this season. They are 4-0 when allowing 21 points or fewer. Green Bay more than likely is going to score more than 21 points on you. How do they you might do that, that in the first quarter, Matt. <laughs> it's, it's quite possible. It is quite possible. I mean, and you know, they're one of the Packers, that is, are one of three teams to allow fewer than 30 points in each home game this season. Only the Rams and the Steelers. Uh, have done that as well. It'll be cold at Lambeau, but there won't be any precipitation. Uh, so Rogers is more than happy to th- chuck the ball around the yard in uh, conditions like that. Well, they call him Teddy Two Gloves for a reason. So his hands are going to be warm for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Now the yeah. Packers um, had a pretty tough divisional rivalry game last week in which they almost gave up a big lead to the Lions. And next week, they have to contend with a feisty Titans team that's jockeying for play opposition. Meaning, it's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. Now, at this time of the year in Wisconsin, the type, the only type of sandwich we can talk about is the cannibal sandwich, which consists of raw ground beef. That's nasty. Put on a slice of bread with onions. That's it. Wisconsinites and fans of uncooked meat, here is your annual holiday health warning. The Wisconsin Department of Health Services is urging residents to put down their cannibal sandwiches. Now, well, this is the state that gave us Jeffrey Dahmer. Correct. Yeah. And well, apparently that recipe used to include raw eggs, 
but it was determined that that was unsanitary. So there's your cannibal sandwich in Green Bay. Um, this is my sandwich game of the week. I look for Carolina uh, to do a backdoor cover. I'm, you know, I don't expect Aaron Rodgers to take his foot off the gas, but Lafleur's play calling might become a little more conservative in the fourth quarter, and Carolina's got nothing to lose. I mean, if you're on Carolina and, you know, you can tell your kids or your grandkids, yeah, we went up to Lambeau in, in, in December and we and we beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I think I think they're going to be fighting for something here. Uh, Matt Rule's a proud guy. So I'm looking for, yeah, I'm looking for a good effort out of the Panthers. Well, I think Carolina goes into Green Bay and they're going to have to tell their j- grandchildren just how badly they sucked on a Saturday night in front of a national TV audience. I've taken the Green Bay Packers, even though they're laying eight and a half. If you were going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. Well, for our first game on Sunday afternoon, we head to Dallas, where the Dallas Cowboys are three-point underdogs against the San Francisco 49ers. 45s are over-under. Now, this game was originally supposed to be played Sunday night, and unfortunately for Niners fans, it happened to be against Dallas this week, and they stink so badly that this game got flexed out of primetime in favor of the Browns and the Giants. That's something that is so 2020. Can we acknowledge that for, yes, for 2020? Yeah. Um, At the beginning of the season, nobody would ever said the Browns Giants game would flex out anything that Dallas had to do with. No. Now, Dallas, though, they're not, they're just not cutting it this year. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has five games with fewer than 50 rush yards, and he had only six of those kind of games in the three years leading up to this season. That is. You know, they're not they're just not getting it done in really any facet of the game. They've hung around in a few, but they're only three and ten against the spread. Yeah, the 49ers don't have a terribly great record against the spread this year either. I uh, just one game below five hundred, which is better than three and ten. It's better than three and ten. If I were Kyle Shanahan, I would go to CJ Bathard to start the game because I'm sorry, Nick Mullins is not an NFL quarterback. He looks horrible. Now books he'll, out on him. Yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll have like little flashes of brilliance where he'll squeeze the ball in, threaten the needle. Uh, but for the most part, he makes bad decisions, misses guys that are open in the flat. Um, but they've still got that awesome running game, and a lot of their defense guys are back. I think Dallas has given up on McCarthy. I really do. Big Mike McCarthy is looking kind of barfy because he's choking on a big fourth down. 100%. He's made, and I mean, I know that he hasn't had Dak Prescott, but he's made some real bonehead decisions. Like, I can't remember what game it was a couple weeks ago, but the guy goes for it on like fourth and four from his own yeah. 32, you know, get the ball turned over. Dallas's defense holds him to three points, but like, what do you expect your defense to be pitching heroics all the time? Like, man, you don't have the kind of team in the O-line that can do that kind of stuff. It seems that Mike McCarthy's both not a good talent evaluator and not a good leader of men. And it actually makes you really realize just how awesome Aaron Rodgers is that Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl ring. Well, absolutely. And, you know, if you're just comparing coaching, and the coaching matchup would suggest San Francisco. Um, the defense definitely suggests San Francisco. Um, Debo Special Samuel, teams as well. Special, Special teams, teams, San Francisco. But Debo Samuel is not playing. But I think Brandon Ayuk's going to have a really big day because they yep. can get the ball down the field on on those Cowboys defensive backs. Well, three points. Ayuk's proving this year, man. Ayuk's proving this year. He's he's a pro caliber slot guy. Oh yeah, fantastic! Yeah. Great hands, great speed. He's uh, very good. You could see him when he runs, especially against those zones. He's getting open for his quarterback by finding those those areas that are soft, and that's the mark of a guy that has a high football IQ. Yeah, and he can get a lot of yards after the catch as well. Well, I like I like Sam Fran here. How about you? Yeah, I think so for sure. Go Niners! Welcome to the party, pal. Oh, what's happening, CC? 
They still call it the White House, but that's a temporary condition too. Can you dig it, CC? Now we go to the nation's capital and uh, the Washington football team. The NFC East leading Washington football team is five-point underdogs against the visiting Seahawks. 44 and a half, you're over under. Now, Alex Smith and Antonio Gibson are both questionable for this game. And my pick is predicated on whether those two guys are in the lineup for Washington. What do you think about uh, that injury situation and, and the game in general? Well, let's go back to last week's game where Washington beat my 49ers 23-15. to Let me tell you how they did it. Less than 100 yards passing, 95. Less than 100 yards rushing, 98. Zero offensive touchdowns. Alex Smith had a quarterback rating of 8. And then when Dwayne Haskins filled in for him in the second half, quarterback rating of 30.7. Now, the tail of the tape here goes as such. On defense, Montez Sweat, one sack. Darren Payne, one sack, one forced fumble. Chase Young, one sack, one forced fumble, one touchdown. Now, what do these three guys have in common? All three have been first-round draft picks in the past three seasons for Washington. They're getting it done on defense. So you've got a prolific offense, you know, with DK Metcalf and and, and uh, Russell Wilson against a very good defense in Washington, and then you've got a really bad defense in Seattle against, eh, call it a mediocre at best offense. So I don't know if Gibson's absence means that much. Um, certainly having Alex Smith, and I think I've got I'm. If I had to bet on it, I would bet that he's in the lineup, Alex Smith, especially when, you know, they're leading the division, as you say. It was so tough, though, last week when Gibson went down. It, it really showed. Yeah, but there was, oh, do, do, do. Was, was that last week? Yeah, it was last week. No, they, they filled in all right for him. Um, I think there was a couple games ago where he went out early, too. Yeah. I don't know. Five sort of a dead number. I I I just love Washington's defense. I really do. And I think they can get pressure on Russell Wilson, which is going to totally disrupt their backfield. I'm going to take the professional football team from Washington. Yeah, Washington is one of three teams to have four players with five or more sacks this season. Their defense is just amazing. And we've seen what happens in the NFL when you have a defense that dominates this much. It's going to be really hard for Russell Wilson to try to pass the ball anything past 20 yards because he's just not going to have time to s in the pocket that long for his receivers to get that deep open. Yeah, think, no cooking the steak in the backfield, right? No, definitely not. I think that I like Washington here, not just to cover. They are my first money line, Maddie, pick this week. Wow, bold move. Uh, Seattle's playing like shit. Hope they don't shit on you, Bubbles. Shit on who? Shithawks. Big, dirty shithawks. They're coming, Bubbles. They're flying in low. They're swooping down, shitting on people, and dragging them off to the big shit nest. Well, this next game is a big one for the NFC North as it could decide some wild card placement is uh, Chicago heading into Minnesota. Minnesota laying three points at home. 46 is your over under. And uh, the Vikings are averaging 146.9 rush yards per game this season. Uh, that's their most in a season since uh, Adrian Peterson won an NFL MVP in 2012. Um, but what's really interesting about this game is... Uh, like the Bears, just their their defense did what we knew their defense could do last week if given good field position and they're not on the field all game. Yep. And then Mitch Trubisky showed what a lot of Bears fans wanted. Now, the last two games have not been against the creme de la creme of defenses. We Trubisky played uh, the Lions, then uh, the Texans. Obviously, you'd like to see him do that against a better team. Minnesota's defense isn't that shit hot, though. And uh, the Bears do have 24 or more points in five of Trubisky's six starts this season. Uh, when Foles was in for seven starts, they had fewer than 20 points in each of those. So the Bears have been scoring better with Trubisky at the helm. 
Minnesota's been playing a lot better, though, recently winning five of their last seven after starting one and five. What do you think about uh, Bears-Vikings here? This is, a, this is a big-time rivalry game. Well, just to touch on your point with Trubisky's passing performances, you know, Minnesota's pretty banged up in the defensive secondary. And they adjusted their play calling to be able to get Trubisky downfield, get it to guys like Allen Robinson. Mm -hmm. And so they're not doing those short, you know, slant passes constantly. Um, Or jet sweeps that go nowhere. Jet sweeps that go nowhere on third and 13. Getting a but lot of production say, out of the running game too. Uh, uh, oh, Montgom- Montgomery's Montgomery, gone off yeah. the last since coming uh, back from injury. What was it? Four weeks ago, he's been averaging ninety six yards a game. Yeah, he got me twenty six fantasy points last week on DraftKings. So well, that could also explain the uptick in Trubisky's performance. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you've got a good rushing game, the defense has to honor it, and what that does is hold those linebackers just enough, especially in zone, where there becomes a gap between the linebackers and the safeties that go back deeper. And that little pocket, you can get a lot of completions there if the linebackers have to respect your running game. Yeah, and the pressure that they're going to get on Kirk Cousins is going to be insane. I, I can see, easily see him throwing a couple picks. You like that? Yeah, Mac had himself a game last week. Actually, the whole well, Chicago defensive line did as well. Just like Washington, we were talking about the Bears. Yeah. Uh, the Bears front seven had a fantastic game. Roquan Smith is the guy that we, as Bears fans, wanted him to be when he was drafted. I think it was like sixth or eighth overall. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he fits right in in Chicago. And when you play linebacker in a city like Chicago with, a you know, a lineage like Butkus, you got Mike Singletary, you know, Brian Erlacher. Erlacher, yeah. That's a marquee town for linebackers. I think Smith is filling that role well. I like the Bears with the three points on the road here because the Bears do this to me every year. They're going to do just well enough where we won't get a good draft pick. Yeah, but they're still in contention for the playoffs, they and they are. play the Jags next week. So you, you got to expect they're going to be quite motivated for this. But let's go to Minnesota's last game for a quick second, specifically their special teams and Dan Bailey. He missed four kicks. Idiot kicker. Three field goals and an extra point. I read this on Sports Illustrated this week. To quote, it looks like Dan Bailey will remain the Vikings kicker this Sunday against the Bears. The team released practice squad kicker Tristan Vichano on Tuesday, leaving Bailey as the only option, unless someone else gets signed to the practice squad soon and is elevated for the game. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The guy misses four kicks and and you fire the backup? That doesn't make sense. That's ass backwards, but could also be why the Vikings have uh, never won a Super Bowl. You can see Zimmer. He's going to be a, a bit reluctant to go to the kicking game, you know, on a fourth and short. They, they're going to be going for it. I don't know if that favors them. Probably not that much against a, a defense like Chicago. I, I'm going with the Bears here. So tonight, I'd like to put all the doubts to rest. I would like to announce to my hometown of Chicago and all of America that I am ready for the Bears to go all the way, baby. To South Beach and a uh, big AFC East matchup as the Miami Dolphins, who are looking to secure a wildcard playoff spot, are laying two points against the visiting New England Patriots. 41 and a half is your over under. The Dolphins have allowed 21 or fewer points in nine of 13 games this season, and the Patriots are averaging only 21.3 points per game this season. So that's their fewest in a single season since Belichick took over in 2000. Uh, this this is going to be a tough spot for New England. Can Belichick get his guys up after last week? Well, we all know Bill Belichick's record against rookie quarterbacks, uh, 21-5. and five. Most recently was Justin Herbert at Gillette Stadium where they won 45 to nothing. All right, doesn't look good for Tua, however. No, that wasn't it. at Gillette Stadium. That was in Los Angeles. Oh, that's right. It was yes, because yeah. they stayed on the uh, they stayed on the West Coast for the following week too. Yeah, that's correct. Um, but I like that doesn't look good for Tua. But Minnesota, or Miami rather is not winning games because of the quarterback play. They're doing it because of their defense, and their defense keeps coming up with turnovers. They had two interceptions in the first quarter against Patrick Mahomes. 
and three in the whole game. Now, I don't expect New England to be passing the ball that much. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Newton benched uh, partway through the game if, if they don't get things going quickly. They're going to be running the ball a lot, but I think Miami can shut that down as well. Uh, two points at home. There's a Purely on a talent level, Miami is the superior team. Coaching, Brian Flores is doing a great job, but he's not Bill Belichick. But I, I, I like Miami to squeak one out here uh, at, under a field goal. Yeah, the Dolphins have been spread killers this year, 10-3 and three against the spread. Pats are one game under five hundred against the spread. And part of their problem uh, has been when they face good defenses. I don't want people to say this is the recency effect of what happened to the Rams last week because that's we've seen enough of a sample size. They didn't just lose to the Rams, but they've had trouble with other defenses like Denver, San Francisco, and KC, who all have really good defenses and have given uh, Cam Newton a lot of fits. And there's only so much you can do if all you're going to do is run. You know, when we talk about Pittsburgh, we always say all they can do is pass and it's really hurting them right now. Well, the, uh, the converse is true. If all you do is run then defenses are going to be able to stop you, especially when your quarterback is throwing picks and seems to be lacking the confidence. I am taking the Dolphins as well. Under a field goal at home, I like that. You like that? And we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny f***ing K. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your all right, we go to Charm City, where the Baltimore Ravens are laying 12 and a half points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, uh, this is a short week for the Ravens, but with Cleveland losing last week, they really need to win this game. Baltimore's got to win a couple games here going out if they want to make the playoffs. And uh, this game is going to be one on the ground. And seeing what the Ravens did last week, I'm wondering if Jacksonville is going to be able to stop them because Jacksonville has allowed 200 or more rush yards in seven games since 2019. That's the most in the NFL. And Baltimore has 13 games with 200 or more rush yards in that span. That's the most in the NFL. Jacksonville is in for a world of hurt here. You're correct in saying that Baltimore does need to win this game. They, they need to win both this week and next week to be in contention at the end of the season. But do they need to win by 12 and a half points? Uh, the answer is clearly no. Uh, we don't talk about prop bets a lot here, but I heard that there is a prop bet of plus 350 that Lamar Jackson will leave the game in the first half to drop a deuce. And I'm pooping here! But seriously, folks, um, their, backup, their, uh, their backup quarterback, Trace McSorley, out for the rest of the season. RG3 obviously is out. That leaves Tyler Huntley the rookie out of Utah, in case Jackson needs to go out for whatever reason. And he often does. He'll take himself out for a series or two for a pulled muscle. It's just the way that he, he plays the game of football. So that's not good. And Jacksonville has who? Gardner Minshew second is in. Your guy. Yeah, I can't believe that Jacksonville was trying to convince us that their other quarterbacks were better than him. Yeah. It, it, I think Minshew gives them the best chance to win. I don't think he's, by any stretch of the imagination, the best quarterback in the league, but he's the best one that Jacksonville has, and they, they're they going to need him this week. The Ravens are looking at a great schedule going out, too. The remaining opponents, uh, Jacksonville this week, the Giants the week after, and the Bengals the week after that, and that's a combined 218 win percentage. <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good way to f finish out december you know this is under i, I normally want to take big spreads yeah i and know go with uh but jacksonville's on the road they don't have much to play for and don't say pride they're not proud to play in jacksonville oh no 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 i'm not Home saying pride soak and poke at the covid jizz float what's that i said gardner Minshew's going to want to prove his medal yeah, Gardner Minshew will want to prove his medal, but they're playing the Ravens. The Ravens defense that shows up last week shows up this week. And I mean, they had a hard, I, I understand they allowed a lot of points, but uh, that was against a great Cleveland run team. Uh, and Baker Mayfield was just on fire. I don't know if, if the Jags have that in them. So, can we uh, agree on one thing, though, Matty? What, what we, we saw on Monday night that the Baltimore Ravens left absolutely nothing on the field, they I gave it everything, you right? Bet. And as, as you mentioned, it's a short week for them. 
It was a big emotional divisional game. I, I, it's not going to be a letdown spot, but I can see Jacksonville covering 12 and a half points. Yeah. You know what? As I agree with you. Okay. Because they can afford to lose one game. They don't want to. Uh, it, they're going to lose. It could be this game. I'm not going to take Jacksonville on the money line, though. But you know what? I think you tossed me into it, bud. I'm uh, going to take Jacksonville plus 12 and a half. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to Atlanta, home of them dirty birds. Anybody hating get kicked to the curb. Any other team is absurd. Wearing black, white, silver. Red is for the blood. No one's scared of getting dirty because we came from the moon. And now we go to Hot Atlanta, where the Falcons are six point home dogs to the Tampa Bay Bucks. 50 and a half is your over under, and six points is a lot for a divisional matchup at uh, this time of year. Um, it, I think part of it has to do with a little bit of the recency effect. Tampa Bay came out pretty strong after their bye week and had a pretty great performance against Minnesota last week. Uh, Atlanta, on the other hand, pretty disappointing is Matt Ryan, uh, three interceptions in a loss against the Chargers. It, that, that was that was pretty tough to watch. I think all those were in field goal range too, if I recall correctly. But yeah. I mean, the Falcons have lost three of their last four games, and they had won three of the previous four. So it seems the bounce they got from getting rid of Quinn and getting Raheem Morris, uh, it seems to be gone. (laughs) Okay, so you talked about the recency effect. Let's go back to the last game with the Bucs and the Vikings. There were some really questionable officiating calls. You know, if you remember at the end of the first half, they did a Hail Mary to Gronk, and... Oh, lo and behold, pass interference. Well, no one was even near the guy. And, yeah. you know, it was Tom Brady, right? He's getting all these neat calls, and that changed the, the tone of the game. And then couple that with the fact that you've got four missed kicks attempts by uh, Dan Bailey. Ten potential right? points. Ten points. Ten points. So let's look at the Bucks special teams this week. Their place kicker, Ryan Suckup, out. Their punter, Bradley Pinion, out. And guess who holds the ball for the place kicker? It's Bradley Pinion. Um, Their long snapper, Zach Treiner, out. These guys are all out on COVID protocol. Every single, the three people that touch the ball on every special teams play are all out. Couple that with the fact that their running back, Ronald Jones II, who's by far their leading rusher at 900 yards, is out as well. Enter Leonard Fournette, who's their second leading rusher, who has less than 300 yards this season. Everything just, to me, lines up for the Atlanta Falcons on this one. Yep, this will be a tight divisional game. I like the six-point home dog here as well. Tom Brady looking sluggish again today. Not sure what his problem has been lately. Yeah, definitely not looking as strong and virile as he has in the past, Tom. Hot, 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 hike. Many teams will try, but ain't nobody did it dope as us. We Tennessee Titans, so ain't nobody coming close to us. Up next, we go to the Music City where the Titans are laying 11 points against the Detroit Lions, and that's probably because Matt Stafford is not in the game, and Matt Stafford is pretty much that team's entire offense. He is. Um, he's not been ruled out, but he is doubtful. I'd, I'd be surprised to see him. Chase Daniel will likely be starting under center. I've got some experience for, with Chase Daniel with the Bears. You'll get like yeah. one or one or two decent drives out of the game, but you won't get any consistency. And uh, it's you know going to be a lot of a lot of missed third down opportunities. So yeah, I, and they don't have they don't have Galladay back either. No, he's probably out again. Now I do have a weird stat about this game because Derrick Henry's a machine, <laughs> but in five of the seven home games they've played this year, Derrick Henry has fewer than eighty-five rush yards. Now, in each of his six road games, he's had 100 or more. That's Isn't weird. that nuts? It is weird because you just don't think of... I think Derrick Henry, I feel like he rushes for like 150 yards at least every game. It's it's nuts. Well, Vrabel was talking this week about him wanting Henry to get to the 2,000 mark this season. And the crazy thing about that is they're averaging more than 30 points per game this year. And that's only the second time they've done it in franchise history. The last time was in 1961. They were the Houston Oilers. So it's interesting because they do this while rushing the ball a lot. They don't ask Tannehill to throw for 400 yards a game and put up four touchdowns. A lot of their production comes from running. And generally, when you have a rushing offense, you're not putting up more than 30 points per game. 
but Tennessee's doing it. Detroit is going to have a hell of a time with Tennessee controlling the clock, putting up points, and not being able to answer. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. If if I were the head coach, I would want to be limiting Derrick Henry as much as possible. Just win the game. You play to win the game. But let's save this guy for the playoffs. I don't see them doing that, however. I think he's going to probably have a big workload, and he's probably going to have a big day against that Lions defense. I'm well, going with the Titans. Yeah, he's got to ride Henry, too, because the Tennessee is not guaranteed their position at the top of that division yet. They need to win some games. So no, I'm just you know what what team has more backdoor covers than any other team in the last decade? The Detroit Lions. Right, but that's with Matthew Stafford, who's not playing. So yeah, give me the Titans and the eleven points, square play, but whatever. Oh Nick, I thought you was laying. I'm laying. No, no, I'm taking it. I was taking it. You sure? I'm positive. I'm a little confused. You look confused. Maybe if I stick your fucking face to this uh, window over here, like, you know, you'll, you'll get unconfused. Give me the fucking money. This is Johnny Unitas of the Baltimore Colts. Let's go, you Colts. To the Midwest we go, and the Indianapolis Colts laying seven points at home against the Houston Texans. 52 and a half, so you're over under. Now, uh, the Texans are allowing the second most fantasy points per game to running backs this season. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor had 22 and a half fantasy points versus Houston in week 13. So uh, this is going to be the, the Colts are looking good. They have a tough old line and a great rushing game. And we saw the Bears last week, what their rushing game did to Houston. And the Bears, their rushing game is not even close to being on Indianapolis's level. And Indy's defense is pretty dominating. You, do you think that Houston can cover this touchdown? Well, Will Fuller, obviously, he's still out for the rest of the season because he doesn't know what a PED looks like. Yeah, well, what else is new? He's out almost every season with either injury or something, right? Randall Cobb is on the IR. Brandon Cooks didn't play last week. He's still questionable. Now, David Johnson is back in the lineup. Houston's defense is just so horrible. It's so horrible. I mean, we can picture we, we can picture Deshaun Watson scrambling around and make stuff happen on third play, third down plays, but I think Indianapolis is by far the superior team here. They're at home. They're still contending uh, for jockeying, rather, for playoff positioning. I'm liking the Colts here to, to win by a big margin. The last, the last meeting between these two teams uh, was two weeks ago. The Colts won, but it was 26-20, to 20, so... Houston would have covered. I think they've kind of regressed since then. And I feel like Houston, like last week against the Bears, it really seemed like other than Watt, who never checks out, a number of their guys did check out and their secondary is not very good as well. I, so I think Phillip Rivers, when he does need to throw a pass, I think he's going to be good for it. He's actually had a really good season this year. Uh, well, being, we crapped on him a lot in September. Yeah, and October, we did. He was throwing about one pick a game, but he's cleaned that up quite a bit. Yes, he has. I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm going to take uh, Indy to cover the seven points at home. No, no, I want an official red undercover and I should do it and get rid of my leg rifle. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You know I ride with my Arizona Cardinals. Most likely I'm going to die as an Arizona Cardinal. I'm going outside ripping Arizona Cardinals. Well, now we're in Arizona, where the Cardinals are six-point favorites against visiting Philadelphia Eagles. 48-year over-under, and the Eagles are not out of it in the NFC East by any stretch of the imagination. And Jalen Hurts coming in last week kind of gave him some hope. Now, obviously, he didn't do it with his arm, but what's great is he didn't take any negative yardage. Uh, he threw the ball away when he had to. He didn't take any sacks, uh, didn't really turn the ball over. That's compared to what Carson Wentz was doing. That's great, especially with Philly's defense being pretty good. There's also no tape on Hertz yet. So it's going to be hard for Arizona's coaching staff really to know what to do other than to just try to take away those running lanes from, from Hertz when he decides to break the pocket. So do you think Arizona can cover this six points at home? It, Philadelphia is such an unknown right now. It's just hard to say what they're going to do this game. Well, when Arizona went into the Big Apple last week, they had eight sacks against the Giants. Five of them were from Hassan Reddick. 
That's a, that's a pretty good day at the office. Five sacks by one guy. That's a season and, for most guys. That's a season. And so, and who's got one of the worst offensive lines in the league? It's the Eagles. But that was really, you know, we predicated that opinion on Carson Wentz not being able to, to hold and, and carry handle the ball well without giving it up as a fumble. Jordan Phillips, the nose tackle for the Cards, has been ruled out of this game with a hamstring injury, which would definitely affect the pass rush. So I don't see them getting as much pressure on uh, on Hurts as they did with uh, Danny Dimes. I I think Philadelphia got a big spark. You know, beating the Saints is, is no easy task. I realize that they're going on the road for this one. And for anyone that likes to watch scrambling quarterbacks, you got to tune into this game. I think collectively, both those guys are going to hit at least 100 yards, probably a lot more. But six points, I like the Eagles to take it close. As you say, they're still contending for the AFC, or for the NFC East. I expect them to keep it very close. Cards have a very hard time with mobile quarterbacks. They've got losses to Carolina, right? They had a t- tough time with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, they had a tough time playing Seattle. Uh, that's Russ Wilson. They had a tough time against Miami. And even before, too, a Fitzpatrick could break the pocket and run. Never had a problem with that. Uh, New England, they lost to, and they lost to the Rams. So the cards can be beat, and they can be especially beat when a quarterback's running around and they're susceptible to the run. So I like Philadelphia here not just to cover. They're my final money line Maddie pick this week. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No okay. tape on Hertz yet. No tape. I think that that gives a, well, very, a, a little. very little. And that gives a coach like Doug Peterson a lot more uh, latitude when it comes to his play, play calling. And I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is up to the task of figuring that out in the course of a few days. You know, I always usually spank my monkey at Christmas, but I never thought about the pork and beans. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prison rules. Well, and for this game, well, it's the biggest spread on the board this week. The LA Rams. I think it's the biggest spread on the season this year, isn't it? I think it is. Because the Rams are at home and they are 17 and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. And what blows me away even more, this is a 17 and a half point spread and a total in the mid 40s. 44 is your over under. Wow, you rarely see that from Vegas, but that's how little they think of the Jets, isn't it? It is, and one of the most astonishing things I've seen all week, football or otherwise, uh, as he prepares for the final three games of the season, Sam Darnold said Monday that he still envisions himself as the franchise's long-term solution at quarterback. I love it here, he said. I love the people. I love living here. I've always said I want to be a Jet for life. But that decision isn't necessarily up to me, but that's how I feel. Wow. Yep. Wow. I don't he's he's a special kind of guy if he really believes that because I feel like they just wasted his like his talent. A special kind of guy, a special kind of acid that he was on. Yeah. I dude, I it's this game sucks. I for all those listening, this is not gonna be a game I bet on. This is way too big of a spread for a pro game, and as much as I hate the Jets, I hate to pick against seventeen and a half points. Yeah. Man, that Rams defense is fucking ridiculous. How about this though? As a, mon- as a money line play, the Jets are plus eleven hundred on the money line. So if you bet a hundred dollars, that means you'd probably lose that hundred dollars. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. Yeah. I, I, who, who do you like in this game? Let's not spend any more time on this useless garbage. All right. It's garbage. I, I, I try to find reasons to take an underdog of 17 and a half. The only one I can come up with is taking a look at their injury report. And this week they're getting back Frank Gore, Jamison Crowder, and Brashad Perryman. So they're all back offensively in the lineup. If all they need to do is score like a touchdown and two field goals, and they can cover this spread. So... I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to take the Jets. Yeah, I'm with you. Holding my nose as well. 17 and a half points, though, is just a ridiculous amount. And we have seen this Rams team on occasion lay an egg, especially offensively. Jared Goff, he gets the yips every now and then. So I'm with you. I'll take the Jets here, but 
I don't like it. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I just had a rap with Santa, and we took us a little stroll. And all I want for Christmas is the Saints in the Super Bowl. Well, and for our final game in the late afternoon window on Sunday, we go to the Big Easy where the New Orleans Saints are a rare three-point underdog at home in the Superdome against visiting Kansas City Chiefs. 51.5 is your over-under. And, uh, well, Breeze is back in full practice participation, so we should see him at under center this week. Are you fucking kidding me, Maddie? Are you fucking kidding me? That is the biggest smoke and mirror job I've seen I, since the Kennedy assassination, it's John Payton. It, 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 look, I'm not a doctor, okay? But Drew Brees broke 11 ribs yep. and punctured one lung. So, although I'm not a doctor, I am good at basic math. That's half your ribs and half your lungs that aren't working properly, which kind of makes playing the quarterback position in the NFL more difficult. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the press booth if they make the playoffs, let alone this week. All right, so I agree with you. I was saying that as a, I just, you know, I agree. No, I just I read a lot of articles like what the expectations are because it's absolute bullshit. I mean, they're just saying that Andy Reid will see through that nonsense. Yeah, um, and this is Hills. a great, great coaching matchup. Reid versus oh, the, Payton. Oh, the coaching matchups awesome. Uh, Taysom Hill, call him Sean Payton's uh, boy toy. Yeah, he's. I don't, I don't think he's a good quarterback. I, I don't really think don't. he's a good quarterback either. And I honestly think the only reason they're winning without Drew Brees is because Sean Payton is such a great coach that he's able to game plan for a quarterback that isn't a good quarterback, and he's got a no. good enough defense to keep him in games. However, you want to talk about a team that doesn't need to play with all its guys and they can still win. Mahomes threw three picks last game. They had four total team turnovers, and they still won the game. Yeah, against they didn't the Dolphins, cover, but they won. They didn't cover, but they did they, win. They they won, and, and that was against a Dolphins team that's a contender with a good defense. Yeah, right. I mean, so it's not New Orleans, if you recall, was our sandwich game last week. So that was a really bad spot in Philly. A flat. Yeah, that was spot the Muffaletta. That was the Muffaletta. So we we kind of saw that coming because we knew that they had the Chiefs on deck. Maddie, would it surprise you that in the middle of December? The league's leading receiver is a tight end wearing a Kansas City Chiefs jersey, Travis Kelsey. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He's he's Patrick Mahomes' go-to guy in trouble. 1,250 yards receiving, 90 receptions, and nine touchdowns. Now, New Orleans is ranked seventh in the league against the tight end and third in the league against the pass overall. But I think this is the type of game where, you know, Patrick Mahomes and that offense can just name their score. And three points, I, I know they're on the road, but uh, they're also inside in a dome. I, I like the Chiefs here. Yeah, they, a couple things to buttress your point here because I'm with you. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Saints have defeated only one team currently above 500 this season. They beat the Buccaneers twice. The rest of their teams that they've won against have been under 500. Patrick Mahomes, he's 8-0 and in his career versus top five scoring defenses. So I'm with you. Kansas City Chiefs, they'll cover that three on the road. Hey, I tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Well, a Sunday night game and a flex game at that. And like we said off the top, the weirdest flex game of all. The New York Giants at home. And they are four and a half point underdogs against visiting Cleveland Browns. 45 is your over under. Now, the Browns offense, which was once anemic, has scored 88 points over the last two games. And that's against two really good defenses, Tennessee and Baltimore. 
Well, I wouldn't call Tennessee an elite defense. Well, I, I said good defenses. I didn't say elite. Well, all right. So I, I don't think Baltimore is elite. No, either. I wouldn't even call them average this year, to be quite honest. But the Giants do. They have still a good scored defense. forty-one, right? Wasn't it forty-one against them? Yeah, or something like that. I just I had 44. I can't remember. Anyway, it was over 40. Anytime you can put 40 points on a defense that isn't the Jets, you're, you're doing something right. That's true. That's true. So I, th- this is a short week for Cleveland, too, and back-to-back primetime appearances. Yeah, the, I, think it's a, I think it's a letdown spot, possibly, for Cleveland, because just like Baltimore, they left everything on the field, right? Um, a very emotional win. The reason I think that the Giants lost Arizona last week is because Danny Dimes started that game, and he probably shouldn't have. Uh, he's got a leg injury that's really affecting his play, and I think the same thing's going to happen if they throw him in here again. And they were they were they were able to win against Seattle um, in Seattle with a backup, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. Normally, I'm thinking, you know what, Giants get four and a half with a great defense, plus four and a half at home uh, on a primetime game. You know, the temperature is going to be below freezing, so we know both teams are going to rush the ball. But no precipitation. No precipitation. So it's it's not, you know, both these teams are not warm weather teams. They're used to playing, especially like if you're not going to add precipitation, and there's it's going to be a calm day as well as far as wind goes. These guys know how to play in that. Oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt that. I just, you know, we're going to get a big dose of Nick Chubb. Uh, I don't know. You go You go first. I'm taking Cleveland. All right. The Giants have scored fewer than 20 points in seven of their games this season, and that includes three straight. I think Cleveland, uh, their offense is finally kind of getting in kick. You can see them uh, as the season's progressed, really coming together as a unit. And uh, they do need to tighten up their defense a bit, but the New York Giants aren't exactly a bunch of monsters on offense. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I could easily see Cleveland scoring 30 points. I can't see the Giants doing the same thing. Yeah. All right. I'll go with Browns. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Dogg. Dog Pound, y'all better turn up this week, man. Y'all got a new feeling, new spirit. Let's go get it done, Dog Pound. Well, it's Saturday night and I just got paid. Feel my money, don't try to save. My heart said go, go. Have a time for Saturday night now. And finally, Monday night, we go to Cincinnati. And, uh, well, the Bengals are 12.5-point underdogs at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 40.5's your over-under, so that's another odd game where you've got a double-digit point spread and a a, a total that's in the low 40s. It's, It's unbelievable. Now, the key is, will Steelers receivers actually catch the ball this game when it hits them in the hands that, that's a, that's an interesting question right because they they've, they seem to be allergic to catching a lot of balls this season and i think over the last couple games where we've seen them take two losses the one constant that i noticed is they weren't getting claypool in the game plan he wasn't uh, they weren't jet sweeping him a bunch. They weren't getting him out into different open spaces and letting him work. And I think when that was happening, not only was was Claypool getting good numbers, but you saw a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster uh, picking up his game as well because now you can't just leave. You, you can't just couple a Juju because you've got this other guy disrupting things out there. I don't like, um, I believe his name is Johnson. Is it not? Now I have a hard time remembering the kid's name. It's John. Yeah, it is Johnson. Their other receiver, and uh, oh, he's okay. like, yeah, and he's, he's he's stone hands. I mean, he's made some great plays, but he's also just you see it hit him in the hand sometimes, and he just dropped it. And I agree with John Madden. If it, if you can touch it, you can catch it. Oh, for especially sure. if you're in the NFL. But that being said, they're playing the Bengals this week, and the Bengals are absolutely hurting. Well, do we even know who's starting? No, we don't. Like, I mean, the last meeting they had. (laughs) No, it doesn't. The last meeting they had with the Steelers, uh, the Steelers won 36 to 10, so won by 26 points. And the Bengals actually had Joe Burrow then. Burrow, yeah. They had Joe Burrow. I mean, the the Pittsburgh front seven's pass rush, I would put it probably number one or number two in the league. Yeah. And I would put Cincinnati's offensive line 31st or 32nd in the league. Yep. And I just, there's no scenario in my mind where I see this being a close game. I really don't. And Pittsburgh, yeah, they dropped a couple. And 
yeah, I hate taking big spreads, especially in a divisional game. But I think the Steelers are, you know, if they, again, if if they can if they can hold on to the ball and not drop a lot of passes, this should be a pretty easy spread to cover. Uh, give me the Steelers. The Bengals have scored fourteen total points in the last two games and have scored fewer than twenty points in five straight. Obviously, this tells you two things that Joe Burrow was a great draft pick for them. <laughs> and two, they suck without Joe Burrow. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers to cover a double-digit spread on a Monday night where the Bengals, they really should have flexed this game out as well. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an eye, the Gambletron 2000 says the winner is Cincinnati by 200 points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk. When I was small, I believed in Santa Claus, though I knew it was my dad. Well, now it's time to get to our friend Doc and Spiffy's gold pick of the week. That's gold, Jerry. And for those who don't know, Spiffy is an algorithm that the doc has come up with. And uh, Spiffy, well, he's uh, pretty good at predicting games, although we were just talking about how this year it's been a lot tougher than most years with all the variables due to the COVID stuff. But we enjoy talking to the doc. And doc, before we get into the hot picks, you told me last week, you gave me what Spiffy's anachronism was for. What is it? Oh, it's, it stands for sneakily peeking into the football future for you <laughs> i love it i love it so that's right just to reiterate spiffy is not a dog spiffy, no. <laughs> spiffy is an algorithm however woody's the dog he used to make some woody's good picks woody had woody's, a good record woody has probably sold three and own super last three super bowls so. yeah yeah spiffy can't compete with woody no but no one you can know, no one can but woody only plays once a year so <laughs> Yeah. Well, that is true. Small sample size. Now, go. this week, both Andy and I didn't really like the board. Not a lot of enticing games, not a lot of very good spreads. So I'm my money is going to be spread onto just a few games this week. So before we get into the gold pick, what what's hot out there? What is, does Spiffy see any arbitrage opportunities? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Spiffy looks at the board and goes, there's... Um, we talked about this last week. We say Spiffy's cold-blooded or disciplined or something. He doesn't like to play unless he thinks he's got a reasonable advantage. And most of these spreads this week are very close to what Spiffy's projecting. So he'd prefer just to let those happen and move so there's on. So no, there is no hot pick this week. Well, there are, and, and there that's are fine three, if they're... three moderately warm picks, let's say. He's, he's interested in three games, but not real enthusiastic about any of them. Is there a gold pick this week or no? There is. Well, we okay, say, so let's, know, let's the, do the, the lukewarm. The warmest, the warmest of the warm picks, we'll call that the gold. But What's, what's your lukewarm picks? What, let's what start are those with, three the, first? With, the, with the coolest lukewarm pick. It involves Jacksonville at Baltimore, where Spiffy thinks that the... Ravens are about 18 points better than the Jags. And, and so 12 and a half is a lot of points, but Spiffy thinks, yeah, I may as well ride the Ravens here and see how they can do. Spiffy likes the Ravens though. Spiffy likes the Ravens, even minus 12 and a half. And, and Spiffy liked the Ravens last week. And, and Spiffy likes the Ravens paid. every week. Spiffy does. Yeah. They have mm -hmm. a long history of playing well. I think it has to do with the khaki pants. <laughs> But uh, anyway, um, I don't think I would play a minus 12 and a half favorite in any NFL game if it was my own money. That looks too much to me. But Spiffy's brave or cold-blooded or something. So, so what about warm, that's your first warm pick? Yeah, that's the first one. A slightly warmer pick and, and even more surprising to me, Spiffy thinks the Giants will beat Cleveland. Hmm. And he likes the Giants plus four and a half. He likes the Giants on the money line at plus, plus 190. And um, most of this, I think, is situational. He doesn't expect a lot from Cleveland because of what happened with them last week. 
They got okay. beat up or beaten anyway by a, a top defense and a team in their own division, and now they're on the road. And uh, the Giants got beat up too, but by a lesser team. And Spiffy doesn't think that's such a big deal, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't think I'd play with Spiffy on this either, but that's Spiffy's second pick. Giants plus four and a half. Giants at plus 190. And now the gold. <laughs> the gold pick of the week. That's gold, Jerry. pick of the week uh, again you know more of the same spiffy takes a lot of convincing he doesn't believe that the patriots are as bad as they look lately he doesn't believe that the dolphins are as good as they look lately and he likes new england plus two at miami wow wow okay so i think andy and i are head up against spiffy on each one of those picks yep. i think we're on the other side so this well, will be I'm, an interesting week i might be too uh I was saying this is getting more and more difficult. I think Spiffy's strength, if if any, is shown by his uh, refusal to play any of those other games. Yeah, you know the the fact that Spiffy's projections are lining up quite nicely with the book lines most of the time shows that Spiffy maybe uh, you know knows some of what he's up to, but these discrepancies. I wouldn't be surprised to see Spiffy go zero and three this week, but. You're mostly, you know, the two of you interested in what is this algorithm doing and, and what is it saying? So this is what it's saying. I'm not sure I would invest in it this week, but there's well, the news. You never know, right? That's why they play the game. So uh, thank you very much, Doc, for uh, coming out. We always enjoy talking to you, and I guess we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks very much, guys. Good luck on your picks. All right. See you, Doc. Oh, thank you, Doctor. No, I'm not a doctor. Please hang up and try again. Now it's time for the total tease. It's where every week Andy and I give you a total that we like from the games and also a teaser uh, that we'd like to get down on. So first, uh, Andy, how about you? What's your total for the weekend? The total, we are going to the great state of Georgia where the Falcons are hosting the Bucks, and the Bucks are without all three of their special teams players. So... I see them going for it on fourth down. I see Tom Brady getting a lot of those fourth downs. And I think I'm going to take this total over 49 and a half. For my teaser, let's go to the Pittsburgh Steelers playing the Cincinnati Bungles. And we're going to take that 12 and a half points and we're going to drive it down through the 10 and the 7 to get them to 6 and a half. And the second leg of the teaser, all we're going to do is ask the Colts to beat Houston at home and take that down to minus one. So to recap, Falcons, Tampa Bay over 49, Pittsburgh down to minus six and a half and the Colts down to minus one. For my total, I'm going to Miami where New England's coming to town and 41 and a half is your over under. And I really like this to go over. I know that sounds absolutely crazy, but I believe this game is going to go over 41 and a half points, and this is going on a gut feeling from me. reason I'm doing it is I've, uh, the last three weeks, I'm 0-3 on my totals. I need to just switch it up. So I'm switching it up. Uh, the teaser this week, first game I like is uh, in Indianapolis, as uh, you like that game too, Andy. Houston's coming to town, and I want to take Indy from minus seven to minus one, so they just got to basically win the game outright. And then I like your 49ers uh, taking on Dallas. Dallas is at home, but I like taking San Francisco from minus three to plus three. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to week 15 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss the show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week 15 games across the NFL. We'd also like to thank our buddy Doc uh, for showing up and giving us the lowdown on uh, what Spiffy thinks for this upcoming week. From the Costa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back in Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bed time on the same bed channel. Sayonara. It was December 24th when Hollis Ave at the dark. When I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park. I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear. Looked at his dog, oh my god, a ill ring.
macaroni and cheese And Santa put gifts under Christmas trees Decorate the house with lights at night Snow's on the ground, snow white so bright In the fireplace is the Yule log Beneath the mistletoe as we drink eggnog The rhymes that you hear are the rhymes of Jarrah Like each and every year we bust Christmas carols Christmas